Blog Talk Radio. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you are all now members of the 115th Congress. AJC Radio and our team extend a personal invitation to all the members of Congress to be a part of this dynamic initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We welcome you, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent, whatever you might be, we join together to bring to the attention of the American people the positive things that our elected officials are doing on Capitol Hill. Tonight, AJC Radio salutes you, and we extend that invitation to all the members of Congress as we continue to shine the light called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. It's just going to get better from here. Let's get on board. At this very moment, House and Senate leaders are working on a dangerous plan to dismantle the Affordable Care Act and strip more than 20 million Americans of their health insurance. And if they succeed, it will have devastating consequences for our constituents, particularly women. Repealing the ACA means allowing insurance companies to charge women more simply for being a woman. Endangering access to care for 65 million women with pre-existing conditions and stripping more than 55 million women of free preventative care like birth control and cancer screenings. It's easy to forget how broken the system was before the Affordable Care Act. But make no mistake, dismantling it now means being a woman will once again be treated as a pre-existing condition. It will mean fewer options, less access, and higher costs for tens of millions of women. We should be building on the progress we've made not turning back the clock. Women deserve better. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio. And make no mistake about it where you have arrived. This is Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And we shine the light tonight on Suzanne Delbain. And I'll tell you what, Delvini, excuse me, Congressman Susan Delvini doing some things at a Washington state. And I'll tell you what, it's going to get good from here. Hang on to your seat, folks. AJC Radio kicks off right now. And welcome back, folks. Uh, getting the English and the pronunciation correct on a legend there in Washington. Pardon the interruption, if you will. And uh, tonight we're going to kick off, and I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams. And uh, Lisa, who, are we, who do we have tonight on Spotlight on Capitol Hill? It's going to be uh, Congresswoman Susan Del Bean. Del Bean. And Del Bean. Del Bean. And Congresswoman, excuse us for the interruption on that. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a good one. 
after doing some research on Congresswoman Delvine, I'll tell you, there's some good things happening in Washington and representing the state of Washington and doing some things, I'll tell you right now, uh, that's, that is making a huge difference, whether you're talking about women's rights, health initiative, things along those lines. Uh, she is doing some stuff, whether it's the Affordable Care Act, of course, known as Obamacare, really an advocate for that. And I'll tell you what, women to go toe-to-toe with the current administration to make sure things are done the correct way. And, William, as we get into this conversation tonight, uh, I'll tell you what, this should be a good one. It really should be a good one. I mean, she's definitely taking on, you know, and championing the rights of the Affordable Care Act and, and basically allowing people and making people aware of how women are perceived outside of our before the Affordable Care Act uh, went into effect. So, you know, really a lot of people need to understand what she's doing and how she's and what she's fighting for. So I would definitely say, uh, you know, this is going to be a great show tonight. No, without question, William, and it just gets us here. Uh, and Lisa, before we get started, let's read the disclaimer for our listeners if we can. We sure can. Sorry about that, Lamont. Yep. None of us at AJC Radio are lawyers, and we do not provide legal advice. Although we go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a lawyer if you want legal advice. In this time of misinformation, government-controlled media, and government corruption, it is sometimes hard to get to the truth, but we must try. It's not our intention to libel or discriminate against anyone, and the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. We want to thank you again this evening for tuning in and spending a little of your evening with us. And thank you for that, uh, Lisa. And uh, again, tonight, honoring Susan Del Bonet uh, on this program tonight. Uh, and we're, we're excited about it. It should be some interesting conversation. And we're going to get into that. Prior to getting into that, uh, we're going to go into some current news. But before that, Dennis, your thoughts. Uh, there was an initiative uh, uh, by, by the Congresswoman in regards to veterans, uh, finding uh, manufacturing jobs for veterans. It's an initiative uh, that she was very, very passionate about. Uh, your thoughts is, I mean, every time we come across senators and congressmen that are congresswomen or congressmen that are seeking to do something uh, productive for our veterans, it, it, it has to go a long way. And it's awesome because uh, when the veterans get out or, you know, they're getting ready to get out, they, they want to know that there's something out there for them. And manufacturing jobs, I mean, that's big. And uh, surely the veterans, uh, I mean, they applaud her. Because uh, w- when you get out, you're nervous. You're like, man, what am I going to do? But when you've got congressmen and women in place that are really thinking about our veterans and saying, okay, what about after uh, the military? You know, th- there's a life after the military. And, and to, to get out there and start pushing for manufacturing jobs is just awesome. Because I tell you, when I got out, I was nervous. I was like, man, what am I going to do? But uh, like I said, when you've got congressmen and women out there, that are truly about our veterans, I mean, that, that's just awesome. Oh, absolutely. And, Lisa, we were talking here, and uh, we want again, and, and, and we'll put this to rest, uh, Congresswoman Del Bonet, the, pronunci- the pronunciation, at least, at least online, uh, is different. Uh, it's not a correct uh, uh, pronunciation. Is that correct, Lisa? Yes, yes, that's right. So we, we, did, we did hear the correct one. Her, when she said it herself, we heard the correct one. It is uh, Susan Del Del Benet. So again, our apologies on that. What we had in front of us was the opposite uh, of what how the Congresswoman uh, pronounces her name. So we want to honor her and 
uh, give our sincere apologies on that again. But tonight aims to be a good one. We even look really in, engaged in this congresswoman and some of the things she is doing. Your thoughts as we get ready to shine the light on her. Well, I, I tell you, I'm going through just looking at some of the things that she's done. She's done a lot of things, a lot of initiatives. And, uh, you know, that's the reason why we have her on the show, spotlight on people that are doing excellent work and uh, fighting for those not only in their, their constituents, but those uh, throughout the country. So, Well, we say it all the time that regardless of what district you may represent as a member of Congress, the legislation that is passed on Capitol Hill affects the nation. Uh, so, you know, we are all constituents in, 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 a, in a sense that uh, we are doing some things that are that are really uh, ex- we're excited about rather of what of the uh, some of the push, some of the things and we say all the time. Members of Congress are doing things that impact not only today, but for years and years to come. And, we, and that's proven in powerful legislation as we are in conversation right now uh, regarding how uh, the current administration is doing with the Obamacare uh, you know, uh, trying to repeal and replace and all the things that may be problematic uh, to that end uh, lets you know the impact that a president and Congress, again, had to pass that. Exactly. And that shows the impact of what our elected officials are doing. I think is is really speaks all on its own because uh, you see that now as we are in a, in a situation where legislation, I mean, even from years ago, the Voting Rights uh, Act, was under scrutiny a couple of years ago. They wanted to challenge that, and that was way back when we were entitled and minorities and women were entitled and allowed to vote. Uh, and that's been brought up, challenged almost to see, you know, all type of uh, voter suppression to keep the vote down and all these things. So when we say to go out and vote and make sure you get the right person that you believe that can do the job, it's critically important because it is from generations the generations how how it's going to be affected in it and that is so true and uh uh with the congresswoman uh you know susan benet i mean if you really think about it uh she's 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 ready to fight i mean she's she's like hey whatever it takes uh we got to do the right thing we got to look at what how how any changes to the affordable care act will affect women and we got to look at it closely and make sure that we're watching each and every day so that you know the right thing is done and one thing I really didn't understand, well, now I understand a little bit more the importance of agriculture in America, farmers. and oh, all that, no doubt. Man, I mean, you know what? We just we go to the grocery store, pick up the food, and go home and cook it. And we're like, man, that's just the end. Of the, man, that process comes a long way uh, before it gets there. And the, the different things in government and different things that she was talking about, we'll get into that as well, as far as protecting farmers and how – you know, and people don't really think about the farmers or well, you know, they're just farmers. Well, guess what? They're important. They're helping you eat every night and put food on the table, and there's a process that goes with that. And as as uh, Congresswoman Adele Bonet was talking about the importance of remembering our farmers and what's involved with that, and I mean, it is amazing how many people are involved to make this engine work. Uh, it's it's actually absolutely amazing. And again, we're going to be coming to that here momentarily as we shine the light on this wonderful young lady. Uh, Some current news to report, and I don't know, folks, if you've heard about this. Uh, Man pardoned by President Obama reportedly shot execution style in Michigan. And the story goes, uh, just a few months after the commuting of his sentence, Michigan native DeMarlin C. Thomas was shot execution style in a federal halfway house. Uh, CBS Detroit reports. 
the shooting happened Monday evening, January 23rd, when two masked men entered the Benham Place Federal Corrections halfway house and held over a dozen people hostage. After scoping out the 31-year-old, he was shot several times. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Lieutenant David Kaiser told reporters there was no doubt that the shooting was a planned attack. This was a very targeted individual for whatever reason. The people that shot this man knew who they were looking for and wanted him deceased. Considered a nonviolent prisoner, he was among 79 people pardoned on November 22nd by the former President Barack Obama. Uh, And Thomas was previously sentenced to 19 years in prison on cocaine charges. Friends tell M Live Thomas attended college for a year under an athletic scholarship and got caught up in the wrong crowd. And you're talking about a month and a half out or so, uh, uh, roughly, where he would be being released, fighting for his release, and he dies that close to exiting prison doors. Your thoughts on that, William? It's sad. It's sad that, you know, when you look at this, you know, like you said, he got caught up in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong circumstances. He's sentenced to 19 years, and he gets a, chance, a second chance. You know, he was nonviolent, but a planned attack, planned attack takes a man's life. And, and, and so it, it's kind of, kind of uh, you know, it's very sad to think about, you know, this, just this misfortune that uh, befell this man, um, you know, throughout the end, the end of his life. And so it's That's sad. It. And when he was getting ready to get a, a jump start, a second chance, comes to a halt. Yeah, that's an unfortunate situation, and uh, uh, our thoughts and our prayers go out to his family uh, and his his loved ones that must be having an excruciating um, last 24, 48 hours. It's it's, it's a horrible situation, uh, and we need to keep our thoughts and prayers with those family members. Ladies and gentlemen, on the other side of the break, we're coming back. Congresswoman Susan Del Bonet, we shine the spotlight on her tonight. A woman making a difference, not only in the nation's capital, capital, excuse me, but around the world. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. 
Won't you join us? Call today. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced against some groups, let's take African-Americans, for example, there's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13, to get 13% longer sentences, and has created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have faced an even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. If you just have a felony conviction for possession, what do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need a place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense, that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of, of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, what's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible. Nor It's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence in understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, where it should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women? 
when I have such lousy role models? Boys are never going to approach you. Can you help me reshape my attitudes towards women? You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday and... Tonight, we shine the light on Congresswoman Suzanne Del Binet. And Lisa, we've been talking about on this program for quite some time the importance of shining the light on our elected officials. And the more and more we get involved with this, it seems it is definitely a fact that it's making a difference on the thought process of our elected officials. And really, as we've seen firsthand, the hard work that goes on upon that hill uh, this is something that we must continue to do and get the light and the word out, rather, and the light shine on these members. Yes, Lamont, that's absolutely right. Because I was talking to uh, one of the uh, one of the members uh, staffers yesterday and telling him about how much we've learned since we've been making these trips to D.C. and visiting with the members. How much we've learned about how much hard work they're actually doing, and that America doesn't know what they're doing. A lot of people don't assume that there's nothing going on, but they don't know what's really happening. So I think it's very I think it's vital for the American people to know what their elected officials are doing. No, absolutely. And it, it's really honestly, it's exciting that the more you hear about what's going on uh, with these officials, with the people that you went out on one November night to vote uh, and to, to elect your uh, representative. I'll tell you what it is, what democracy is about. Uh, Congresswoman Susan DelBenet represents Washington's first congressional district which spans from Northeast King County to the Canadian border and includes parts of King, Shomas, Skaget, and Whatcom counties. First sworn into the House of Representatives on November 13, 2012, the Congresswoman brings a unique voice to the nation's capital. With more than two decades of experience as a successful technology entrepreneur and business leader in the private sector, her depth of experience and focus on achieving concrete results allows the Congresswoman to break through congressional gridlock and get things done, earning her praise from the Everett Herald, who called her the most prolific, effective member of her freshman class. And Dennis, I'll tell you what, those are, uh, I'll tell you what, go get them words uh, and motivation, if you will, uh, as she steps out and does some things. You know what, that says I can reach across the aisle, let's get some stuff done here. We talk about that often. How important is that that, that our members are able to break through this political partisanship and get the job done for the American people. It's very important, uh, and especially uh, when uh, the American people is watching and listening, uh, when you see a congresswoman that's willing to cross the aisles to, to make something happen, that's very important. Uh, bipartisanship, I mean, we have to get to a point where uh, we're, we're servants for the American people. We need to act as such, and we need to do as such, and that's what she's doing, stepping across that aisle to make sure that things that need to happen happen, things that need to get done get done. And, and again, that's commendable because without that, if we, we keep the, the aisle separated, believe me, nothing's going to get done. No, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about a lot on this program, uh, William, that it's important that our members have walked the role that a lot of the American people have done, whether it's struggling with college, uh, financial, student loans, whatever the case is, to feel a sense 
of what the American people are going through. Her story uh, starts up growing up. Uh, Congresswoman saw her parents struggle to make ends meet. Uh, I believe, which begins to build on the pedigree, if you will, of the person of Congresswoman Delvinay, determined to arm herself with a quality education. The Congresswoman worked her way through college and earned a bachelor's degree from Reed College in Portland, Oregon. With the help of student loans and financial aid, she later received a master's in business administration from the University of Washington. After college, uh, Congresswoman Delbonet became a leader in technology and innovation, embarking on a 12-year career at Microsoft. Among just a handful of women serving at the executive level at Microsoft, the Congresswoman worked as a vice president running worldwide sales, marketing, product management for the company's mobile technology business. I'll tell you what, when, when a person is able to come, and, I, and I'm going to say this, uh, they call it the rags to riches story, and when you're growing up seeing your parents struggle and trying to make ends meet, it, it's to me, from what I'm seeing here, served as a motivating factor for the congresswoman to say, you know what, I'm going to push past that. Those are the type of attitudes, William, that when you've got that in Congress or have that in Congress, it it, it basically motivates you for the little guy. Yeah, that's right. That's Your right. thoughts on, on, the, on that? Well, I agree 100%. When you, when you grew up or grow, you know, you grow up in a situation where you're seeing the struggles, you're wondering and questioning um, you know, how your parents are ma- able to make it, your, your mother and father are working long hours, you realize real quick, and she did, that she had to arm herself. She had to basically you know, understand that, listen, education – drive, determination. These are things that I'm going to have to to use and implement in my life to make things happen. And then even more so as a woman, she had to break break through a lot of barriers Absolutely. Uh, to be a vice president of one of the world's largest companies. Um, and be a vice president at Microsoft is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And, and then get, get her MBA, and then she went on, you know, to uh, basically find, I think it was drugstore.com, uh, one, of the, one of the dot-coms that she actually founded, I believe, or was, was instrumental of our, a member of the organization that found it. So I, I was just reading that. And, and so she basically embraced this whole IT and tech initiative um, and said, listen, I can start out and, and do some things on my own. No, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, uh, it says here that uh, Congress, Congresswoman Delvaney was appointed to serve on President Obama's Export Council, the President's Advisory Committee on International Trade, also serves as co-chair of the New Democratic Coalition's 21st Century Job Skills Working Group and co-chair of the Women's High Tech Caucus, Internet of Things Caucus, Trademark Caucus, and the Aluminum Caucus. I mean, this woman is involved and this, again, these are things that affect us years down the road. And her experience from working, as you said, William, at Microsoft, you're talking about a vice president, an executive uh, at this particular organization, which everybody, of course, knows who Microsoft is. I'll tell you what, this is something to be commended. And uh, I'll tell you what, she, she doesn't hold any words back when she's on the floor uh, of the House of Representatives. She is going to speak her mind. She is going to make the point. And she will speak to the issues that we're faced. Right now, let's talk a little bit about what she said about the Affordable Care Act and the attempt to repeal that and what her thoughts are on that. Let's see what she had to say.
I rise in strong opposition to this reckless budget resolution. Congress had an opportunity to start on a bipartisan note, to work on creating jobs, building an economy that works for everyone, and investing in our infrastructure. Instead, House Republicans are ringing in the new year by repealing the Affordable Care Act, stripping more than 20 million people of their health insurance. What's worse, there's still no plan for what comes next, threatening massive disruption to the entire healthcare system. I offered a number of amendments to this legislation, none of which were allowed a vote today. My amendments would have stopped this dangerous process from moving forward if the Republican budget reduces access to treatment for those suffering from addiction, reduces access to healthcare in rural areas, forces seniors to pay more for care, or privatizes Medicare. I also co-sponsored an amendment by Congresswoman Barbara Lee to protect women's access to reproductive health care and family planning services. Apparently, the majority is not concerned with these issues. Before the ACA, the situation was unacceptable. It was a time when people went bankrupt because they got sick, when individuals with pre-existing medical conditions found it virtually impossible to, afford, to obtain affordable coverage. But now, more than 120 million Americans with pre-existing conditions are no longer denied coverage. And young adults can stay on their parents' plans until they're 26. Over 10 million seniors have received help with their prescription drug payments. And all insurance plans are required to cover preventative services with no co-payments. Rather than focusing on common sense reforms to strengthen the ACA, Republicans want to eliminate vital life-saving policy with no plan for what comes next. I strongly urge a no vote and I yield back. Well, there you have it. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, a high level of discussion, debate right now in our nation's capital. Uh, Congresswoman Del Bonet is not stepping away from it at all. And I think the argument she makes, William, and you were were addressing a little bit about the importance of strengthening the Affordable Care Act versus repealing it and trying to gut it, because there are so many good things. She made the point, how many millions of people are going to be lost without uh, health care as a result of the actions of the current administration if they try to carry that out? Uh, your thoughts on that, William? Well, you know, recently, actually the 11th of this month, she introduced a bill to strengthen and not repeal ACA. Explain that a little and, bit to the people. Well, it, you know, it's very interesting. And, and as you heard in the clip, she's very passionate about this. She understands that people need health care. Also, how it impacts small business. So one of the, there are several improvements that she introduced in her bill uh, for small business tax credits. So allowing businesses up to 50 workers to take advantage of the tax credit. Uh, instead of currently where it's 25, allow businesses to claim credit in any three consecutive years where currently is two, and businesses with up to 20 full-time employees to receive the biggest possible credit, whereas where currently is 10 employees. Extend the credit to businesses with higher average wages. So what she's talking about doing, and there's other points here, but what she's talking about doing is giving, extending this and making the bill more affordable for small business providing more additional health care for its employees. And I mean, and so and I'm sure there's a lot more here, but again, to strengthen, key points, key points yep. here, you know, to strengthen ACA and also strengthen and benefit small business. Well, where she comes, where she brings her expertise, 
Congresswoman Del Benet goes here. During her tenure, Susan proposed reforms to cut red tape for small business. Now, uh, this was when she was actually appointed by the governor, uh, Governor Gregor, to the director of the Washington State Department of Revenue, where she proposed to reforms to cut red tape for small businesses. And she also enacted an, an innovative tax amnesty program that generated $345 million to help close the state's budget gap while easing the burden on small businesses. Now, think about those numbers. And, Cliff, when you hear those numbers, this is what we're talking about as far as in Washington right now dealing with the Affordable Care Act. Who has the initiative, who has the drive to say, look, let's bring some common sense numbers to the table. You're talking about she closed, generated $345 million, and it helped small businesses, but it also was able to uh, uh, to at least motivate the economy there uh, where she where she actually was doing and making this happen. Well, just like she said in her clip, I mean, you ha- if you think back to before the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, was implemented, uh, health insurance was a, a horrible, horrible issue to deal with because there were so many people who were not covered. If you think about the amount of people that still, um, you know, don't have coverage with with uh, with the uh, Affordable Care Act. The amount of people who still yep. uh, are looking for doctors that are that are in their network. Imagine 30 million more people in that predicament before the ACA went into effect. And so Congresswoman uh, Delvinay is saying, look, we have to go beyond just saying, you know, this partisan rhetoric that says, well, we need to get rid of it basically because you know a Democrat put it in place. That is not the answer. The answer is, like she said, to strengthen it, to increase the good parts of it, and to, uh, you know, to make it work as, you know, with all other aspects that it was meant to work with. That is what needs to happen, not, okay, we cancel it and watch 30 million people, uh, you know, some of them die without the care that they're receiving under Obamacare. That is the real issue is that you're talking about people uh, you know, dying without health care. And she addresses that. And that's why she is a congresswoman uh, of the people, not just, okay, I'm a congresswoman of my party or, or you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing things that's going to get me voted in again. No, she, she is ensuring the, the health and well-being of the American people. And that's what it takes to be a good uh, legislative lawmaker. And that, that's what it's got to be about. Uh, again, I have to applaud the, the congresswoman. Uh, it's just, if you really look at it, if you if you just go on and just repeal, I mean, you just abolish, uh, you know, the, the Affordable Care Act, uh, not thinking about the consequences, not thinking about the repercussions when it comes to uh, the, the poor that can barely fo- afford, you know, health care. And then you got other people out there with, uh, you know, existing, uh, you know, illnesses, and, and they depend, right now they're depending on, the insurance that they already have. You're talking 22 million people, and you just want to come and just say, let's repeal it, let's get rid of it completely. But yet, you have nothing to replace it with. And I tell you, it's gonna it's gonna be some serious problems if that happens. But if any, if the rest of you know our congressmen and women, you know, come together and say, okay, come on, let let's let's really look at this. If, if the Republicans have something to add, Democrats have something to add let's do that but
but let's not hurt the American people, you know, with our egos and, and, and with our selfishness. Let's do the right thing. And I truly believe if, if everybody looked at it like Congresswoman Delbonet, I tell you, we'll get some things done. And oh, without question, without question. And those are things that, uh, again, as we look at the condition of our nation right now, uh, this is important. And we say this every time that when you find someone that is willing to stretch out and do the things that this congresswoman is willing to do, uh, it's time that people start following suit of that. And that's critically important. And she's about not only are you dealing with the Affordable Care Act, she deals with the the problem with immigration in this country, the problem with trying to create jobs. And again, we talked about this earlier, uh, her need to want to reach out to the veterans uh, that actually did something in this country to make a difference to protect us. And we talk about that problem all the time. It seems to me that Congresswoman Delbonet is about one thing. And we said before, we'll say it again, the people's choice, if you will. Someone that is for the people and not for themselves. That's critically important. And we need to very much pay attention to that. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial into the conversation. The number is 319-527-6216. That's 319-527-6216. On the other side of this break, we're coming back with more information as we deal with not only the immigration uh, push, but also the college, affordable college problem in this country right now is big. Uh, She actually speaks to that issue. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, her position on focusing on protecting our farmers and landmarks in America, our parks, our monuments, if you will, all across this nation that are at risk. Congresswoman Delbonet is about one thing, protecting America and making it better. We're going to deal with that on the other side of this break. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we extend a special invitation to you to join AJC Radio and our programming every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will be addressing issues that definitely shape a nation and affect America's future. We will also be dealing with members of Congress shining the spotlight on our initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss it, folks. Every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, AJC Radio makes a difference across the nation. We'll see you then. We know you care. Now it's time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders facing trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't give justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to give a very special invitation to you tonight and every day thereafter. If you're struggling with addiction issues, the Shores Treatment and Recovery 
is the place to go. If you have any questions, dial 1-888-975-4105. Or you can contact Stephanie King, the champion, for those that fight this battle. Her number is 720-305-2621. You can go to www.theshoresrecovery.com. There is a way out. There is an answer. Let's do it together today. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, the spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And if you want to know what this is about, I'll tell you what, we're excited here at AJC Radio. Congresswoman Suzanne DelVinay doing a huge amount of work in Washington, D.C., as we've been able to dig just a little bit uh, into the conversation uh, with this congresswoman. And Dennis, your thoughts on what we've learned thus far is it's been limited, but man, how big is this? Very big. What we've learned so far is that she is truly uh, a people's uh, a congresswoman. She's truly about this country and trying to make it the best uh, that it can be. And 
doing whatever it takes at any cost. So I tell you, uh, what I've learned so far is that uh, she's truly about the American people. And whether it means to cross aisles, whatever it takes, she's willing to do what it takes to, you know, do the right thing. Well, let's just go down through a couple of things, ladies and gentlemen, and, and, uh, you know, go here with us. And we're going to break down some of the things that's actually involved, some of the things that she is involved in. And I'm just going to kind of just read the titles. We'll get into the conversation about it. Uh, Increased funding for Internet access and Wi-Fi in schools. Uh, She actually helped lead the effort in Congress to urge the Federal Communications Commission uh, to modernize and improve the federal E-rate program. And that provides discounts to schools and libraries for the cost of Internet and telecommunications services. As a result of her effort, the FCC increased funding for E-rate by $1.5 billion per year to help schools deploy increased internet bandwidth and Wi-Fi in every classroom during the next five years. Awesome. Did you hear the number? That's B with a, that's billion with a B. <laughs> As a result of her saying, you know what? We need to be on the cutting edge of, of access, if you will, to make our students more productive, to do what we can to, to, to give them every tool to be successful uh, in what they're doing, Cliff. And, you know a little bit about that or quite a bit about that. How important is it uh, that this type of initiative be done? Uh, $1.5 billion as a result of her efforts of Congresswoman uh, Devonay. Yeah, I mean, having technology is, is critical and crucial to students of today. I mean, without technology, there's no way that they would uh, get a foothold in the marketplace or the, uh, or the job market. It, I mean, it would be like I mean, there's there's really hardly anything to compare to it because say that, you know, you you take a kid and, and put them out, send them out of college and they don't have any computer skills, don't know how to turn a computer on, uh, don't know how to get on the Internet, don't they, they don't know how to use, uh, you know, Microsoft Office, for example. Right. And how detrimental would that be to their career, no matter how much training I mean, you could be a student who has just been trained to be a doctor or an attorney, if you don't know how to use a computer then you're out of luck. You're not going to get a job. And uh, Congresswoman Del awesome. May, she uh, she realizes that and say, look, we need to we need to push and uh, implement technology in in, uh, in schools. And so she set out to do that and accomplished it. Well, understand this, folks. Congresswoman Del Benet has been in Congress since 2012. We're not talking about 30 years, 25, whatever. 2012, and making that type of impact directly out the gate is just absolutely amazing when you're talking about able to generate that amount of money to implement in our schools how important is that for our students for our children to be able to know this is accessible i mean that that's pretty that's pretty big william well you know i think it goes back to one of the things we were talking about as far as her uh, her upbringing you know uh, sure. when you when you give students young minds capability or access to that amount of information over the internet i mean you can imagine when we sat down in the classroom we learned from our teacher and the book but now you open it up to the internet and they're able to search for different cultures different different um you know anything that they want to learn anything and it gives them access and then also not only that access you know, you can imagine in the rural areas, schools there Absolutely. now have access yep. that that they would probably could not afford without this move. Without this move, so so now children are actually able to um, study 
I, I, I've tried to think of the words to say, but actually they could actually on par with other school systems. You know how you get rural areas may not have the the funding and the education, you know, materials there that some schools may absolutely. have in, in different city, areas. Different areas. Yep. So now that that levels the playing field for these no, kids. Absolutely. So I think it's great. No, absolutely. And goes further here, folks. Uh, secured funding for schools in the aftermath of the SR530 mudslide. Uh, the Darrington and Arlington School District faced a number of additional costs to keep schools running. In the aftermath of the state Route 530 mudslide on March 22, 2014, Congresswoman Del Binet helped secure thousands of dollars in federal grant funds to reimburse the districts for costs incurred excuse me, during this tragedy, including transportation to ensure students could get to school and costs for substitute teachers to fill in for classroom staff who were unable to return to work. Again, planting the seeds within the educational system. And what, what does it boil down to, Dennis? Our children. What does it boil down to? What can we do? How do we? We don't have time with the way time is moving and technology is moving. We don't have time to, for schools to be shut down, whether it's a national disaster, whatever's going on. If there was an issue, she says, let's do something to get some teachers in here to, so we don't lose time. We, don't, we can't afford losing time, Dennis, with what, what, what faces America right now and our children. And again, that's, uh, again, that's just uh, who she is. Again, it's all about looking at our future, uh, trying to make sure that, you know, it's better for our children and that our children are getting the education that they need to be, uh, you know, upstanding citizens uh, in this society. And then also going out there and making a difference. I mean, so she is truly making it happen. Awesome. I'll tell you, again, I have so far all of what we went over is all about the American people. And when it's like that, you can't help but vote for somebody like that. Absolutely. She goes further here. As, as again, ladies and gentlemen, as we're going down the resume uh, accomplishments and the efforts of Congresswoman Debonet, it is it just it goes after, one after the other. Uh, job training, long term economic growth and prosperity require a well-trained workforce. The 2014 Farm Bill included $200 million to fund uh, my, per, my, my proposal, and this is what she says, the Congress's proposal to fund that was to expand job training programs for supplemental nutritional assistance programs, uh, known as SNAP, recipients to learn the skills they need to get a good-paying job. The programs funded by this pilot will be based on Washington State's successful basic food employment and training program. So her objective here is that, look, you have a lot. This was debatable on the Hill. They wanted a lot of the GOP wanted to pull the SNAP program. Well, how many uh, meals do you take out of the children's mouth if you pull that program? There are, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there are actually women and families of veterans who are on SNAP. How do you go in and say, pull that? Well, she went further to say, we can't do that. Let's keep that in place. Because let's, let's, let's make it perfectly plain. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what? I don't want to work anymore. I'd rather just have food stamps and live off of somebody else. That's not the mind. Most people want to have a job. They want to get up in the morning. They want to be proud. They want to you know, raise their kids the right way. This is the norm, if you will, of what most Americans want to do. She says, let's train some of these people to you know, not belittle them, not put them down because they're needing assistance. But let's train them and build their self-esteem back up. Let's make them believe in themselves. Let's put them to work. 
Let's make them say, you know what, I got a skill that I can be a contributor to our society. That is the mindset, and I go back to what, William, you said. When you come up seeing your family struggle, I tell you what, Congressman Charles Rango made it clear. If you can bring education and job training to our communities, guess what? Those communities change. That's true. Those communities change. Those parents change. Those kids change. See? And we don't become a vacuum, if you will, going into the criminal justice system. You know why? You may not believe this, but what Congresswoman Delbonet is doing is saying, let's set the foundation. That foundation is job training. Give me a skill that when I go into my job, I can be proud of what I'm doing. If that doesn't boost morale of communities that are failing, then I don't know what does, William. Yeah, that's true. And, and people need to understand, this, these are communities that not just, uh, as we see on TV, they always want to talk about the inner city. You know, I grew up in, in, in the rural south. And when the manufacturing jobs close there, you know, there are people there that are suffering. So what they need to do, I mean, so what do they need to, you know, what do they need to do is they need an alternative. They need education. They need a plan. And when you talk about something like this, this is impacting just, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 million families that would be impacted by the SNAP program and this effort to get them trained. To get them prepared for a job change or something like that. Some people, and the reality is some people may be on SNAP because they were laid off of a job. Or, oh. you know, or they, you know, job was, went, the company went overseas or whatever. So they need a change. And so this, these opportunities provide that. For a lot no, of no, no, absolutely. We're going down, and it goes further. Congresswoman Delbonet restoring unemployment benefits. Uh uh, she actually, Congresswoman, was actually a leader in efforts to extend emergency unemployment insurance for over 1 million Americans, including 25,000 uh, people from her district who lost their benefits due to congressional inaction at the end of 2013. Each week that Congress fails to act, unemployed Americans who continue to look for work lose this key lifeline. Extending unemployment insurance was the right thing to do for unemployed workers and their families, and it is key to strengthening our economy. The words of Congressman, Congresswoman Delbonet. And again, not about herself. Look, how can we help the American people? We, we extend unemployment. People are hurting out there. And she says she called it what it is, the inaction of Congress. Just sitting back. You know, every day you sit back, a child is hungry. There's a child that may not be able to eat tonight because you fail to act. And that's why, Lisa, as we go further into this conversation, why it is critically important that our congresswomen, congressmen are willing to step out against all opposition and say whether you, believe, whether you agree with me or not, this is about protecting families. And I don't know how any member on the Hill can even dispute that. If that argument is raised, but we find it happening every day. Yeah, Lamont, I think the problem is that a lot of people are not, they're just not willing to say, I'll do whatever I need to do. They want it done a specific way or the way, just one particular way that they'd like to do it. But they're not willing to step out away from that and say, hey, how can we come together and make this happen for the good of the American people? Well, no, absolutely. And, and, and Congresswoman Debonet is doing some things that's un- probably, probably not popular. But you know, you, you know the fight you're going to get. Well, let's get ready for the fight. Because this is about, and as you go down, as we said earlier, 
Uh, and we're going to get to some of these conversations, making the sales tax permanent, promoting commerce, helping local businesses, supporting women-owned businesses, the Online Communication and, and Geolocation Protection Act, the Surveillance Order Reporting Act, Email Privacy Act. I mean, it's act after act after act of pushing to make something happen in this country. We're going to get to some of these. Right now, let's go back to her passion in addressing small businesses succeeding. That's the core, believe it or not, of our economy growing is when small businesses grow, we all benefit in this station. Let's hear what she had to say. In my home state of Washington, there are over half a million small businesses. They comprise 98% of all businesses and employ nearly 1.3 million workers, more than half of the state's private sector workforce. Helping small businesses thrive is an important way to grow our economy across the country. From the businesses that I've met with, I've heard repeatedly how important health coverage is to recruiting and retaining great employees. Whether it's Brambleberry in Bellingham or Frost Donuts in Mill Creek, they all want to provide quality coverage, but often find it's too expensive, too complicated, or there are too few options that are available to them. In fact, according to the small business majority, 70% of small business owners who don't offer health insurance to their workers say it's because they can't afford to do so. These business owners just want a little bit of help. And the Affordable Care Act took an important step in addressing this problem. It created a tax credit to help small businesses afford the cost of health coverage for their workers and their families. Unfortunately, the ACA Small Business Tax Credit isn't working as well as it was intended. Too many businesses are either ineligible for the credit or discouraged by the complexity of its requirements. In 2012, the Government Accountability Office found that only 170,000 small employers had claimed the credit a fraction of the up to 4 million businesses that were estimated to be eligible by federal agencies and small business organizations. To, to help small businesses compete and grow, Congress should make the tax credit more accessible to employers and available for a longer period of time. That's precisely what my legislation would do. Among other changes, the Small Business Tax Credit Accountability Accessibility Act would raise the maximum size of business businesses that are eligible for the credit from 25 to 50 employees. It would increase the number of years for which a small business can receive the credit from two to three consecutive years and eliminate eligibility requirements that are unnecessarily complex and discourage businesses from claiming the credit. This proposal will go a long way towards ensuring that more small businesses can provide health coverage to their workers while continuing to compete and grow in a still fragile economy. I'm grateful to have been able to partner with Congressman Kind on this effort, along with Senators Kuhn and Merkley, who've introduced companion legislation in the Senate. It enjoys broad support among industry, small businesses, and healthcare organizations, including the National Association of Health Underwriters, the National Grocers Association, the National Retail Federation, Third Way, and Small Business Majority. I urge members of this subcommittee to support it. Members of Congress have a responsibility to be good stewards of public policy by keeping our laws updated and making adjustments when necessary to ensure that they work in the real world.
there you have it. Uh, wow. You know what? When you hear about what Congresswoman Del Binet is doing, this is something, William, that is pretty big. We talked a little bit. She's talking about uh, small businesses. And we said before we played that clip, how important is it that we all succeed in this country? Uh, small businesses, they employ people. They are able to uh, and a lot of those small businesses don't remain small businesses. If the proper steps are taken, that success is definitely ine- inevitable, if you will. Uh, we talked a little bit, uh, William, about the tax relief uh, option uh, push that she did. Uh, the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 20, 2012, excuse me, to keep income taxes low for the middle class and grow the economy. This bipartisan legislation reduced the deficit by $737 billion through increasing tax tax rates on high-income earners while providing tax relief for 98% of all Americans and 97% of small businesses. Again, we've left the M for millions. Billions of dollars saved on that. $737 billion. And the percentile, you're talking... 98% 98% of all Americans benefited from that. Why, why have we left that recipe, if you will, that brings – why, why have we left that? Well, we left it a long time ago when we were, you know, imposing taxes on the lower and middle class to try to, you know, and, and, that, and that's, that's, everybody knows that story. We've heard it. But she understands that these – there are more people that are shouldering this economy. That are low to middle class, those that are try- that ha- have ideas that are trying to start their own business, smaller than, say, 10, 20, or 50 employees, they need a break. They need a break. They don't need to shoulder all the debt of this country. Those that have the higher income people, it's time for them to pony up and start you know, paying some of the taxes, their fair share of taxes. So, you know, this when you talk about this, and, and, and I think the thing that's so amazing to me about this, like you said, she just went into office in 2012. Is that correct? Yes. yes. 2012. And is out here championing these, these causes. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And, Cliff, uh, we talk about the importance of promoting commerce uh, and representing a district on the U.S.-Canadian border. Congresswoman Del Binet has been a leader in the effort to ensure the efficient and effective flow of goods and tourists across our borders to support our economy. She introduced House Bill 1886 to prevent the creation of a land border crossing fee in order to protect vital cross-border travel and commerce in Washington state. The Congresswoman was pleased that the government funding bill enacted in January 2014 included a provision that prohibits the Department of Homeland Security from implementing any land border crossing fee. You're talking about promoting commerce. Why would we enact a fee when that bringing business to our economy? See, this is, again, these are not the popular stands to take, but it sounds like every stand that she's taken, they've adhered to, Cliff, as far as promoting commerce. Well, this, you're talking about common sense bills and laws going into effect. And the the thing with... uh. With Congress, sure, they may not they may not be on your side when you when you you come uh, you know with this bill. But how stupid do they look when there's just a common sense bill that says, "Hey, we want to save the lives of children. 
If you don't sign on to that as a member of Congress, I mean, it's a shame that you have to have bills like that that have to be written as a law. But if you don't, if you don't uh, join in, then you look like, you know, you hate children, for example. So Congresswoman Delvinay said, hey, let's make some common sense bills. And I've said it before. That is the bottom line on how things get done in Congress. You get some people with some common sense legislation and say, these are things that need to be done. You find the points of pain and say, okay, let's attack those. Let's write a bill to make a law to say we'll attack the points of pain of the American people. Just common sense stuff, but it takes members of Congress that are not about uh, their political gain, that are not about partisanship, but are about common sense, uh, you know, the, the, the basic... Right, uh, interests of the American people. That's what it takes to get things done on Capitol Hill. Uh, that's awesome, Lisa. And, and you know what I was just thinking, Cliff. Though I think a lot of the problem comes from the fact that the people who are some of the people who are making who are who are put there to make these decisions and to put these laws and these bills into effect are they're not thinking about the American people. They're thinking about themselves. They're looking to do things that are going to most benefit them. When you look at the Tax Relief Act that she that she was working on. Uh, that was something she's looking to increase the tax rate on high income earners. Okay, well, the high income earners are most of the people who are setting this stuff in place. So they're not going to say, yeah, let's raise our own taxes. Some of them do because they actually care about the people. Right. But a lot of them are going to say, no, we don't want to do that because that's going to affect me. That's going to make my taxes higher. So what? If you make more, you should pay more. That's the way, that's the way it's designed to be. The more you make, you ha- you're able to pay more as opposed to the poor people having to try to come up with more when they don't have it. Well, no, absolutely, Lisa. Couldn't couldn't say it better. I'll tell you right now, when you have see, this is the concept that I think our our leadership or our officials, some of them, have a problem with. If we all are doing good, that helps everybody. If the lower income neighborhoods begin to feel a, a point of self worth, they start going to work. Those kids start going to school. Well, guess what? You cut down on violence in neighborhoods. You know why? People are busy attaining a dream. People are busy attain- reaching for that uh, entrepreneur or American spirit to be somebody or to, to accomplish some things. The problem is if, if the elite of this country feel like they don't want to contribute, this is America, the United States of America, not the United States of the wealthy, the United States of America. It is our obligation as as human beings uh, and as the human race, that's the best way I can put it, to promote each other. Because guess what? That little small business that starts here, and you got some people at the top that say, man, you know what? I remember when I came up. Congresswoman Del Benet is like this. Look, let's put some wheels in motion to make America better. And I'm telling you, based upon what we've heard tonight thus far, She's doing that. We go to the supporting women-owned uh, owned businesses. Uh, Congresswoman Delvinay uh, introduced the Women's Small Business Ownership Act of 2014. This legislation was aimed at improving access to lending and increasing business counseling and training services for women entrepreneurs and giving women-owned businesses the same level of access to federal contracts as other disadvantaged groups. You know what she's saying? Women have the same right to be out here. And you got, you know, the whole argument or debate about equal pay, women getting paid less doing the same. It's ridiculous. Oh. How is that even possible in America? 
What I like about Congressman, Congresswoman Debonair is this. I'm going to step out in the trenches and I'm going to challenge you, a male-dominated society, and say, look, we can do that job. And we, some of us, Lisa, can do it better. That's right. It's, it's proven. Executives in the corporate world today is growing at a, at a faster rate. And I'm going to tell you what, they're doing some things. You don't, you don't sit as vice president of Microsoft and not know what you're doing. So I'll tell you what, folks, I am, man, I'm elated here tonight uh, with, with the congresswoman. You're talking about addressing every possible issue that can make America better, not only protecting America's rights, but their, their privacy. We're going to deal with that on the other side of the break. Uh, the Email Privacy Act, uh, Law Enforcement Access to Data Stored Abroad Act, uh, reducing uh, VA's disability claims backlog. Dennis, I'm going to get your thoughts on that. Ladies and gentlemen, it just continues to get better here. As this young woman, Congresswoman Susan Del Binet, is doing some things that, guess what, needs to be talked about. We're going to continue doing that here on Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Folks, hang on to your seats. Grab a beverage, I presume hot chocolate or some cappuccino, as we get hotter here at AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage, and even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, They each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because 
He tells all the amnesties and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And I'll tell you what, Lisa, this is catching fire, not only across America in our nation's capital, but I'll tell you what, Spotlight, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, rather, is moving very quickly, and I'll say it's on fire. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think it's going great. We're getting so much good information out there. It's, it's, it's just wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we, as we were talking about Congresswoman Susan Del Binet, I'll tell you what, for a young lady to be in Congress only since 2012 and doing what she is doing, and we're talking billions of dollars in affecting this economy, what do you say to that? William, that means that's a mark of getting something done. I mean, you know, there's people that can, I guess, can come in and choose to kind of navigate the waters. And there's those that choose to, you know, get in and do something. And she's definitely got in and, and made an impact. And that's why they, they basically made that comment about her being so prolific as a freshman senator or as a freshman congressman. And she is challenging things, Cliff, dealing with, again, we talked about the technology world, but the Surveillance Order Reporting Act, Permits electronic service providers to publicly report government requests, excuse me, government requests and demands for information and exempts providers from liability, even if the provider would otherwise be prohibited by law from reporting that information. Uh, and there's two sides of that. You have that side of it, and then you have the Secure Data Act. Prohibits the federal agency from requiring or requesting a manufacturer developer or seller of any computer hardware, software, or electronic device made available to the general public to design or alter 
the security functions to allow the surveillance of any user or the physical search of such a product by any agency. And that is protecting, I believe, the privacy rights of consumers that this is something that, I mean, nowadays you cannot go into an airport, you can't go into a restaurant, you can't go into a library, anywhere where you don't see people on their phones. And a lot of that information is sacred and it should be protected. Cliff, your thoughts? That's right. It's all about protecting the, the consumer. I mean, there's data out there about all of us that, you know, it's our personal information. And sure, you know, some people, they go too far on social media. They go too far with the, uh, you know, the things that they put on their phone or on their computer. But it is still our personal information. That's letting the government go into your computer or your phone without a... Uh, you know, without a warrant or without notifying you, is, is is the same as letting them walk around your house without a warrant. It's just saying, hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm just going I'm going inside your house and I don't have to ask permission from anybody. That is all about protecting consumer, and I think it's a it's a very um, a very useful and needed law that that came out because when you when you you know you saw all the things that happened with. Uh, with uh, Snowden, the things that he exposed about the government that, look, you know, the government has the, they have the wherewithal to basically get in all of your business. So we need protection from Congress and uh, we need companies that are willing to stand up and say, you know, I'm not giving it to the government. You have to have a real reason before I release a consumer's information. And it's, it's excellent to see that Congresswoman Delvinay stands on the side of the consumers and say, as law uh, enforcement, you cannot have that information unless you have an absolute necessity. No, absolutely. And she goes even a step further, Cliff. Uh, the Email Privacy Act requires the government to obtain a warrant before requiring providers to disclose the content of communications, regardless of how long the communication has been held in electronic storage by an electronic communication service, or whether the information is sought from an electronic communication service or remote computing service. Again, Dennis, we talked about this earlier. Going back to the facts of what? Uh, this is about the American people. This is about uh, respecting the rights of its citizens, and they have every right to do that. And again, Congresswoman Delbinet is the, the people's choice. Congressman on Capitol Hill, Dennis, your thoughts? And that's true. I mean, you got to look at it. You got to look at everything in a holistic matter. You got to make sure you understand that. Uh, yes, we, we're all about the security of our country and about, you know, being able to access, you know, when, 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 when things are going on, you know, terrorism and all that good stuff. But still, let's not forget about the rights of the American citizens. Uh, they, they have rights and uh, we should not be going, you know, doing anything we want to do with that information that is, is considered private. So what she's doing is truly awesome because she has, you know, she's, it's not like it's an arena that she's not familiar with. I mean, she's truly, uh, right now, she's a forerunner for, you know, our children, the, 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 the young children, making make sure they understand that anybody can get in that field, you know, when it comes to, you know, technology and, and, and making sure that we keep those things that are, should be private, private. And she's doing a good job. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to go now. Uh, another thing that she's very uh, passionate about, uh, Congresswoman Susan Delbinet is reducing the VA's disability claims backlog. We talked earlier, uh, Dennis, about the importance of protecting our veterans and doing things to help our veterans. Uh, and this states here that after a decade of war, it is unacceptable 
that some veterans are being asked to wait hundreds of days for their disability claims to be handled. In 2013, Congresswoman Delvinay joined more than 150 colleagues in calling on President Obama to take direct action to end the backlog of veterans' disability claims. In 2014, Congresswoman Delvinay voted to increase funding by $20 million to address the backlog by providing the VA with additional resources for digital scanning of health and benefits records, staff overtime, and centralization of the VA mail system. Here we go again. I mean, is there anything that this congresswoman will not do to make a difference, Dennis? That's huge. And, and, and this is awesome because uh, right now this is truly, uh, I mean, a, a, a issue that has to be addressed. I mean, you got so you got military, uh, you know, veterans getting out of the military that served our country was in a in in a war, you know, in in a war situation, and they get home, and, and they're dependent on you know getting that help, but for years, I mean, I'm talking years waiting for disability, years waiting for somebody to say, okay, yes, you deserve it, or no, you don't. And, and that could be very painful. I know uh, veterans that are out right now that are fighting to get disability, fighting for somebody to, you know, say, okay, yeah, you fought for this country. We deserve you. You, you, you deserve, uh, you know, some help, some, uh, you know, uh, being able to get uh, medical help, being able to get some type of, you know, funding for all that they went through, and it's forever. No, absolutely, Dennis. Uh, absolutely good point there. Uh, and we're going to go now. Uh, she talks about, you know, a veteran. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any idea? And think very carefully as you think about this question. The price tag our veterans paid to do what they do. Those that have gone into combat. Those that have suffered and sacrificed. Not only the veterans, their families, the wives, the children. It is our duty to make sure all of our veterans are taken care of. There should not be one veteran without a job. There should not be one veteran on the streets of America when we lay in our beds based upon the sacrifice that was made by these men. We salute our veterans here on AJC Radio. Congresswoman Del Binet talks about the importance of bringing jobs to our veterans. Let's hear what she had to say. I thank the gentleman for yielding. Mr. Speaker, I urge my colleagues to vote no on the previous question so that we can consider my proposal to boost education and job training for our veterans. Everyone in this chamber can agree that we have an obligation to care for those who risk their lives and make sacrifices for our freedoms. Unfortunately, there are too many veterans struggling to find work today, and we're not doing enough to help. Last year, the unemployment rate for post-9-11 veterans stood at more than 7%, substantially higher than the national rate. And across all age groups, there were more than 500,000 veterans out of work in 2014. This is unacceptable. Congress must do more to meet its commitment to these brave men and women. That's why I encourage my colleagues to join me and more than 40 of my colleagues in supporting the Manufacturing Jobs for Veterans Act. My bill will establish state-based manufacturing employment programs to provide skills training and manufacturing jobs for veterans and service members who are re-entering the workforce. These pilot programs would support on-the-job training opportunities, apprenticeships, 
and certification classes for unemployed veterans and will encourage manufacturers to recruit, hire, and train our nation's heroes. With as many as 600,000 unfilled manufacturing jobs, we have an opportunity to connect employers with a pipeline of skilled, capable workers. Instead of voting on yet another partisan bill, we should be focused on real solutions that help the American people, grow our economy, and strengthen the middle class. I urge my colleagues to defeat the previous question so we can take up this important bill and put our veterans back to work. Well, there you have it. Uh, wow, man, what do you say to that? You know, this is refreshing and it seems like every Thursday, uh, AJC Radio receives a refreshing shower of good news and things that are making a difference. Uh, it, it, it just means a lot. And you know what? Again, uh, as we've alluded to on this program before, uh, I would have had no idea that this congresswoman, Delmine, was involved at this level of helping America. Cliff, when you think of that, uh, how important, again, we talk about the importance. I mean, it gives you a sense of motivation to say, man, it makes me want to go out and vote. It makes me want to say, you know, let's remember our leaders, our elected officials, our democracy, when at times it seems to be questioned in the days in which we live now. How important is this? And how refreshing to you, Cliff, is this type of attitude from this congresswoman? That's why we say, you know, that you have to get out there. For all the listeners, you got to get out there. You have to, you know, do your research. Sure, we can give you, you know, two hours worth. But there's still, there's so much more. And it's, it's, uh, it's up to every voter to go out there, get the information that they need to say, okay, this is what my elected official is doing on Capitol Hill. This is what the members of Congress that make the laws that apply to me, that affect me. This is, these are the things that I need to know. So, I mean, before you go out and vote, you need to know who it is that you're voting for. And and I'm not just talking about in a general election for a president. You got to vote for those members of Congress. You got to vote even for your city council members. It, it is crucial because as we've laid out tonight with uh, Congresswoman Del Bonet, you look at her and you say, okay, these are the these are the bills that she's put out. These are the laws that have come into effect since she's been there since 2012. Well, if you know that about her, now you can make a a, a decision, an informed decision, to say, okay, when she comes up for reelection, or if she wants to go into another position, then I know her background. I know what she stands for. And these members of Congress, you know, you you can't just go off what they say. You have to take their track record and say, what have you done since you've been on Capitol Hill? How have the things that you voted for and brought into, into law and into bills, how have they affected the American people? That is why we say it is so crucial. Get out there, get the information, and then uh, you have to vote. You have to make your voice uh, be heard. You know, I always say if you, don't, if you don't vote, then you don't have the right to complain when something happens. So. You know, get out there, do what you got to do to make your voice heard. Well, President Obama made a good slogan at the campaign. He said, don't boo, vote. I mean, that's what you do. What, Bowen's not going to get the job done. Get out there and vote. And what we're finding here, uh, we talk about uh, all of these things that Congresswoman Del Benet is doing. But what we are learning, she also deals, Dennis, with ending veteran homelessness. 
While veteran homelessness has dropped nearly 25% since 2010, more than 55,000 veterans still remain homeless today. To help end veteran homelessness, Congresswoman Del Bonet urged the House Appropriations Committee to provide robust funding for the HUD-VASH program, which helps homeless veterans become self-sufficient by combining rental assistance from the Department of Housing and Urban Development with, with case management and support services from the VA. We must continue to support this life-saving program as more of our service members return home. And those are the words of Congresswoman Delbonet. I'll tell you what. I mean, again, never tiring from being involved and engaged with the issues that are so important to this country right now, Dennis. Yeah, and true, enough, enough of the talk. You know, a, a lot of times our uh, military, our veterans, our service uh, members, you know, they use this pawn. It's all about the military. It's all about our, our veterans. It's all about our soldiers. But where's the action? You know, we want to see the action. All that talk, it gets, after a while, you, you get tired of hearing it. And I'm sure our veterans agree. You know, if you're going to talk, let's do something. Uh, right now, we got, like you said, all these, uh, we got all kinds of veterans homeless. You know, they, they don't have a home to go to. They get out of the military. Uh, they fight for disability. They, they go through all this stuff. But yet, when you hear our uh, elected officials on, on, on TV and on radio, you know, they're talking about how much, you know, they care and, and how thankful they are for, you know, the service uh, of our military men and women. But I tell you, uh, Congresswoman uh, Del Monet, she's she's about action. Right. Okay. Enough of the talk. Let's do it. Let's let's put programs in place uh, uh, to get our veterans off the street and to get them working, get them educated, and, and you know, get them off the street. Let's let's show them how much we, we truly appreciate. Oh, them, absolutely, sir. Dennis, and that well said. Uh, and she goes. She is very much involved, Congresswoman Del Monet, in victims. Uh, protecting victims, and this goes into expanding access to care for victims of military sexual trauma. Uh, Congressman states she is deeply concerned that the VA is denying access to care for too many victims of military sexual trauma due to ongoing difficulties with the reporting and documentation of sexual assault in the military. Congresswoman Benet fought to expand access to mental health services and other necessary care for the victims by co-sponsoring the Ruth Moore Act which passed the House in 2013, and she has repeatedly called on the Obama administration to reduce the unfair evidentiary barriers placed on MST survivors in filing disability claims. She ensures that she'll keep fighting to improve the lives of thousands of veterans who have suffered from sexual assault uh, in our military. And this is something that has been an ongoing, really for years, about sexual abuse, assault in the service, uh, and it's just unacceptable that not every tool possible is not used to comfort and to make life as easy as possible for our veterans. And I like the fact that she, Congresswoman Delmonet has seems to be engaged not from the mind only, but also from the heart. Let's say I care about victims. I have a problem with suffering and pain. This is the human spirit of America. And we salute Congresswoman Delbonet tonight for her human spirit of kindness and caring. And I'll tell you what, we need a lot more of that in this country, William, right now. And I think when we see it from our leaders, I believe it catches on. And whether it's our leaders, whether it's our president, whoever it is, 
this element is missing greatly in this nation right now. And I think if he can become contagious, and we follow the example of Congresswoman Delbonet, I believe there's, there's great things ahead, William, on the horizon, if we would simply just do it. Well, you know, the, the one word that comes to mind is compassion. You know, there, it's more than about me. It's more than about my constituents. There, we are a nation of 300-plus million people. All of us deal with different issues. We're all in different places. But if we could try to make people's lives a little bit better, as, a, as an official, that's their job, and that's what she's done. That's the thing that she, we pointed out here tonight that she's addressed from veterans to, to the children, to women, to those that are, that are benefiting from SNAP, to all the other programs. She's doing this in her first term, and she is in the state of Washington impacting those across the country. So when you have compassion, you could do a lot. I mean, we see that. That's what we're talking about. Right. And, when you, and so, you know, it, it, it really, like you, I, I'm kind of checking myself saying, man, you know, in sort of such a short time, this person is changing. Millions of lives. Well, without question, William. And this person, who is she? Congresswoman Susan Del Benet, making a difference, doing some good things, and compassionate. Let's hear a little bit about that compassion as she addresses some victims that she is speaking about of her own. Mr. Speaker, I rise today with a very heavy heart. On Friday night, there was a tragic shooting at the Cascade Mall in Burlington where five people were killed. The victims included a 16-year-old cancer survivor from Mount Vernon High School, a dedicated public servant from Arlington and her 95-year-old mother, a Boeing employee from Lake Stevens, and a Macy's cosmetic counter worker. As our community comes together during this difficult time, our region grieves for the victims, their families, and all those affected by this tragedy. We will always remember Sarai Lara, Belinda Galdi, Beatrice Dotson, Chris e- Chuck Egan, and Shayla Martin. And I want to thank our local law enforcement for their long hours search- searching for the shooter who was apprehended less than 24 hours after the accident, after the incident. While there is no one law that will prevent every single instance of senseless violence, we must do more to end the tragic cycle of gun violence affecting our communities. Well, there you have it. Um, You may need to break out the box of clinics on that one. Uh, I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, the heartfelt words of Congresswoman Delbinet in that moment is priceless. Uh, We talk about, William, you stated that we talk about compassion, the caring attitude. I think we lose sight that our elected officials are human beings. And there is something that drives them. And as you look into all that is done, even tonight, what we have learned from this congresswoman, this champion, is that we got some good people out there. They need your support. It's true. You know, they need your positive input that, thank you, Congresswoman Delvinay. If you're in her district, make a phone call, drop a letter to her for what she is doing. And our platform is Spotlight on Capitol Hill is to talk about what's being done. 
and I, I don't care how many times we do this program, we leave the table in awe almost every time we do it. William, what is the explanation of that? Well, I, you know, it's amazing. When, and these people need to understand how they're impacting somebody's life. I mean, because really the things that, that the congresswoman has done, you know, she's, she's impacting a woman in Florida who's, who's got a business that's striving. She's doing that from the state of Washington. Or she's, she is impacting a kid's education in Nebraska at the school that didn't have internet capability. You know, all these types of things. So, you know, we, we are out here on social media. You know, like you said, write a letter. Just something that tweet and say thank you for right. what you're done. Because, it, you know, every, every one of us, if we put forth an effort, you'd like to see us appreciated. Right. But in this case, when you have these types of people, these elected officials that were chosen, they're out there actually doing something, and they, and they want to see the impact. They want to feel Absolutely. it because then that turns around and says, you know what? We need to do more. We, we, may, have, we may have put our, our, our finger in the hole of the dam. But we still got more holes in the dam. You know what I'm saying? So we got to do more. And there is more to be done. So, you know, it's just, it's an amazing, it's amazing to, to hear these kind of efforts. No, absolutely, William. Uh, I'll tell you what, folks. What a way to articulate that. Congresswoman Susan Devonay, take a bow, won't you? Champion of the people. We're coming right back. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill, where we shine the light on yet another champion, Congresswoman Susan Delbonet. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs I hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. 
Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. With one call, you don't have to be a victim anymore. These fights are getting worse. I don't know what to do. With one call, you can end the cycle of violence. We're glad you called. The first thing we want to do is to ensure your safety. With one call, you can change everything. To speak to a domestic abuse victim advocate, contact your local family advocacy program. Ladies and gentlemen... We want to give a very special invitation to you tonight and every day thereafter. If you're struggling with addiction issues, the shortest treatment and recovery is the place to go. If you have any questions, dial 1-888-975-4105, or you can contact Stephanie King, the champion for those that fight this battle. Her number is 720-305-2621. You can go to www.theshoresrecovery.com. There is a way out. There is an answer. Let's do it together today. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Folks, this has been an exciting time tonight as we have shined the light on a champion of the people, uh, Congresswoman Susan Delbinet. And I'll tell you, this has been awesome as we have had the opportunity and the privilege of talking about a woman. Uh, I tell you what, that's doing some good things, uh, Dennis. And, you know, when you, I tell you what, when you came in, you know, when we pulled in the night at AJC Radio Studio, we had some serious snow falling outside and big flakes and kind of cold but i guess man it's melted all away dennis as we have been on fire tonight uh with this champion of the people your thoughts on that dennis truly an awesome uh, congresswoman again uh i've enjoyed tonight talking about her because i've learned that she's doing so much for the american people and i mean nothing like you know nothing like a congresswoman uh, or man that can reach across the aisles and and put all that, you know, sure. bipartisanship behind her and make things happen. And one last thing as we close on this uh, segment, as we get ready to go to the RP6, uh, she has been involved in protecting monuments across this country. A lot of monuments in Washington state uh, where tourists come from all over the United States. The beauty of Washington, people talk about it all the time, the forest, uh, the the outdoor uh, uh, person that likes to get out there and see beauty of nature she even gets involved with that to say, let's protect that. Uh, just a couple, creating the San Juan Islands National Monument. She introduced the San Juan Islands National uh, Conservation Area Act and worked with federal and local state, uh, excuse me, stakeholders in the effort that led to the president creating the San Juan Islands National Monument in March 2013. Uh, it, uh, she was also responsible for the expanding the Alpine Lakes Wilderness 
Uh, she was a co-sponsor, co-sponsor of that legislation to expand the Alpine Lakes Wilderness, uh, the Alibut Creek Wild and, and Scenic Act. Uh, she introduced that bill, which would designate more than 14 miles of uh, Alibut Creek, part of Skagit River, as wild and scenic. So a lot of things she's doing to say, look, let's preserve and keep nature beautiful and the things going as they need to go is awesome. We're going to hear her final thoughts on that, on the uh, protection uh, and, and really preserving the very keepsakes, if you will, of America's nature and its beauty. Um, I have the honor of representing one of the most beautiful and diverse districts in the country. It includes the Alpine Lakes Wilderness, the Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest, the North Cascades National Park, and the North Creek Forest. All incredible areas for people throughout our region and across the country to enjoy. Unfortunately, in just 14 days, the Congressional Authorization for the Land and Water Conservation Fund will expire. LWCF was established 50 years ago to maintain outdoor recreational opportunities nationwide. It's the only federal program dedicated to the conservation of our national parks, forests, wildernesses, wildlife refuges, state and local parks, and working forests. Since its inception, the fund has invested $637 million in Washington State projects alone, including three grants for the North Creek Forest, a 64-acre park I visited just last month. A community organization called Friends of North Creek Forest and a college student named Jordan from the University of Washington at Bothell gave me a tour of the forest. For a senior thesis, Jordan has worked with the community and conservation volunteers to clean up the site and design new trails for hikers and hundreds of school children to enjoy. This forest is a safe and healthy place for our families and students to have fun and learn about species diversity and the importance of conservation efforts. This is just one project among thousands across the country. Without a new authorization for this critical program, environmental conservation projects and Washington's outdoor recreational industry would be needlessly harmed. Because not only is the Land and Water Conservation Fund crucial for protecting the Pacific Northwest's beautiful spaces, it's also important for our state's economy as well as the entire country's. In Washington state alone, outdoor recreation supports nearly 200,000 jobs and contributes $20 billion a year to our economy. The Land and Water Conservation Fund uses no taxpayer dollars and is funded through oil and gas receipts paid by energy companies. Unfortunately, in the past, Congress has diverted this money for other uses. That's why I, along with 159 of my colleagues, have co-sponsored a bill to permanently reauthorize the fund. My beautiful state boasts some of our nation's most amazing forests, mountains, and waterways. And taking care of these natural resources and protecting our environment is critical to preserving the quality of life that we cherish. We can't risk funding or defunding the great work of these environmental conservation projects, which is why Congress must reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Well, there you have it. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, honoring a champion of the people. And that is the name that we will reference to Congresswoman Susan Delvinay, a woman that has impacted and continues to impact the nation. We give a very special thanks to her. 
her staff, all the people that make her successful in what she's doing. We salute you tonight, Congresswoman Devonay. Continue doing what you're doing. You truly are a champion uh, in our book. And right now, we turn our attention to the other side. What you didn't know about the RP6 starts right now. Just Cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Serrigan about the IRP6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. The RP6, David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart have pondered that question, where is justice? What you didn't know about the IRP-6 case is the question. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys, um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? The RP6 and countless thousands are seeking her out. What you didn't know about the RP6 story to be continued. And there you have it. Right now, what you didn't know about the RP6, who are these men? They are Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker, victims of a system that failed. Tonight, the question we ask, was a gag order privately issued to jurors in the jury room after the verdict in the RP6 case? That is the question tonight. Court records show that following the verdict in the IRP-6 case, 
Judge Christina Arguello stated in open court, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your service as jurors in this case. You are now discharged with the thanks of the court, and the question usually arises regarding whether or not you may now discuss this case. Whether you talk to anyone about this case is entirely up to you. I will instruct the government lawyers and the defendants and anybody who is related to either the government or the defendants that they are directed that they cannot contact you to speak with you. However, you are free to talk with whomever you wish, as much or as little as you like, about your deliberations or the facts that influence your decision. However, a private third-party firm attempted to contact post-verdict interviews in the RP6 case, but found that the jurors were reluctant to speak to anyone about the case. One of the jurors stated that he was told by judge in the jury room that no one should be contacting the jurors from the defense and that if anyone did call the jurors to call the prosecutor, stated Venus Levatier in the post-verdict interview report. I asked him if he was aware of an order from the court barring the jurors from talking to the defense. He was not. The question tonight is, based upon the circumstances and of that statement, was a private gag order issued to jurors not to speak? And if that was the case, William, why is that when it goes against the due process of law? Yeah, so, I mean, really, you have to understand. They're free. The verdict has already been, been, uh, been handed down. So they're free to, to speak to whomever they wanted to, as, as stated by the judge. But now, why all of a sudden, when, when the organization attempted to reach out to and do the, po- the post-verdict uh, interviews, were they, were they told to redirect them to the prosecutor? Well, one thing that is unprecedented is for a judge to tell them that if anyone from the defense contacts you, you are to contact the U.S. attorney. That is unprecedented. Absolutely. You do not contact Cliff, a U.S. attorney. These are free, willful citizens who basically were given the you any jury. I don't care what case it is, is allowed to talk. Why the reluctancy unless something very foul has gone on with this judge? Exactly. I mean, how do you in one breath say talk to whoever you want to and then go in a, a private room? get the jurors back there and say if, if anybody from the defense, not just anybody contacts right. you, but if anybody from the defense contacts you, then you're to contact the prosecutor, and the prosecutor in the IRP6 case, you know, contacted the FBI agent, the FBI agent contacted the juror, and then, you know, tells the juror, if, uh, if this happens again, you let me know and I'll take care of it. Now, to, you know, just anybody saying that to you is one thing, but an FBI agent tells you I'll take care of it. What exactly does that mean? What do you take that to uh, to mean? Are you, are you going to take somebody out? Are you going to uh, you know violate somebody's civil or human rights? Those type of connotations is those are the things that shouldn't happen at the uh, behest of a judge. No, absolutely. it just is. That is not justice. No, it is not, uh, Cliff. And I'll tell you that. It stands the reason that safeguards must be in place during a trial to maintain the integrity of the trial. It is one thing if a person chooses not to participate in a post-verdict interview. However, it is a whole nother matter if he or she is directed not to speak with anyone that is different. To be continued, what you didn't know about the RP6. There are perpetrators of justice that occupy and wear robes. 
and have gavels in courtrooms, but they are perpetrators of justice. They are prosecutors with a badge that's not legitimate. Lisa, who are the perpetrators of justice that wrongfully convicted the RFP6? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hillberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Ward, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Stanton Jr., Attorney Rick Cornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you for that, Lisa. Ladies and gentlemen of America, a very special thanks to Congresswoman Susan Del Binet, making a difference in our nation's capital. Thank you for joining us, America. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Good night, America. Updating our laws to reflect the way the world works in the 21st century has been one of my top priorities in Congress. And after spending two decades in the technology sector where things change at light speed, it can be hard to understand why we still have laws on the books that don't reflect how society functions in the digital age. Nowhere has this been more obvious than in our email privacy laws that date back to the 1980s. Under current law, there are more protections for a letter in a filing cabinet than an email on a server. This was never really the intent, but email's evolution has made it clear our policies are woefully outdated. I've supported a number of different proposals to reform our electronic privacy laws, and I'll continue to push for those. But today's vote on the Email Privacy Act is a great step forward for American civil liberties. I urge all of my colleagues to vote yes on this important legislation, and I urge our friends in the Senate to take up the bill without delay so we can send it to the president and ensure Americans are guaranteed the privacy protections most think that they already have.